was physically and mentally abusive towards us, so I consider that a dysfunctional family. Um, you know, uh, as a teenager, I got into drinking and drugs, started getting wild and crazy, you know, defying my father, rebelling against him, but basically I was rebelling against God. You know, and I always believed in Jesus Christ. You know, I can remember going to church with my mother, you know, always feeling good about it, you know, and when I left, I felt good. You know, in, in my 20s, I continued doing drugs and alcohol, you know, following the wrong crowd. Deep in my heart, I was always a follower, but I was following the wrong things. I wanted to follow Jesus, but I guess it wasn't my time. Um, then, when I was in my late 30s, God came to me in my dream. There was a couple stars. There was three stars and one star in the middle saying Christ was coming soon. So that's when I started my uh, uh, spiritual awakening happened. I started my road to recovery. You know, he told me, you know, you better get your act together. But, you know, I didn't listen right away. You know, I started my um, recovery. You know, it was like a black cloud just hanging over my head. Which brings me to the Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, Verse 14, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. You know, that, you know, I know God definitely wants us, definitely wants me to be baptized. It's the right thing to do because I want to be a righteous and caring person, you know, and help the needy and do whatever I can. And, you know, that's about basically what I got. And I'm definitely going to commit my life to God and Jesus Christ. Thank you. down because I'm really nervous. (laughs) So my name's Tabitha, for those of you who don't know. Um, I was born and raised in a Christian household, and I uh, always attended church weekly, sometimes even twice a week until I was about 19. I slowly stopped attending as I had no real desire to continue to. I really don't remember the first I knew I believed in God, and I always considered myself to be saved, but I never thought much more about Jesus other than the occasional prayer when things were tough or stressful. As the years went on, my desire to live for Christ was growing, but I didn't really know where or how I should start. I remember my first time attending Calvary Chapel. It was September 29, 2013. I saw the sign that Jared puts on the street, and I had a very strong urge to come and check it out. So I dragged my cousin and my boyfriend at the time with me one Sunday. I remember how inspired and motivated after that first service. I just wanted more, and I couldn't wait until the next week. I was so happy to find a church where I felt welcomed and could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. At the time, I had no idea what God had in store for me. I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with the way I was living, but eventually God opened my eyes. I was living in sin, and it was distracting me from my relationship with him. It pressed on my heart for months before I took any action about it. Finally, after months of anxiety, stress, and inward battles, God gave me the courage to make a change, and I began to walk on the path he had intended for me. From the moment I made the choice to let God in, he started taking control of every aspect of my life, from my relationship to my job and my friends. 
It hasn't been easy accepting these changes, but I know God knows my needs better than I ever will, and I'm trusting he will guide me every step of the way. I'm choosing to be baptized because I want to serve God, and I don't know any other way than to surrender my life to him. everyone. My name is Lori. First of all, I'd like to say how appropriate it is to be doing this testimony on Father's Day. Praise God. There are no coincidences. I just want to share a little bit about my life, and I hope I don't cry too much. <laughs> I'm a recovering drug addict. I've been I'm coming up on 11 months clean and sober. I got some tissues. I've struggled with my addiction. <laughs> I've struggled with my addiction on and off for about 20 years, but within that time, I've had about 10 years sober. I went to a treatment center that, was, center that was spiritually based and began having a relationship with my higher power, the God of my understanding. The fierce year of that sobriety was wonderful. I felt like I was finally living the life that God has always intended for me to live. I remember my Aunt Moni giving me a tape with spiritual songs on it. It was Celine's Dion song, you know, where they sing, you were my strength when I was weak, you were my eyes when I couldn't see. Before I'd gotten sober, I had, I, before I, before I had gotten sober and had God in my life, my thoughts were, there is no man out there that could ever do that for me. Now when I heard that song, Sober and Connected with God and Praying Every Day, I realized that he is my strength when I, when I am weak and my eyes when I cannot see. No man can ever give me that kind of power, which makes me think of Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In 2005, my mom got really sick. She had heart surgery, and the doctors weren't sure if she was going to be able to breathe on her own, again, without a breathing machine. It was a very scary and difficult time for me and my family. Instead of drawing closer to God and the women in my support group, I ended up using drugs again. I did not ask for help from God or the women that I was close to. After my mom came home, she was on oxygen, but doing better. I went off again to get sober. I met Eric soon after. We fell in love. During some of that time, I dealt with depression. I was on medication that really worked for me. A woman that I was very close to in my support group suggested I go off my medication. I really respected her opinion at the time and went off my meds. Bad idea. Mentally, it was a very bad time in my life. I remember not caring about anything, emotionless, just kind of blah. I felt very far away from God. I didn't do any of my daily readings or my daily prayers. Eventually, in 2011, Eric and I started using drugs together, and that was a nightmare. Because for me, there was never enough drugs to escape the guilt and shame or remorse. July 21st of 2012, I lost my mom. The last week of her life, I was there for her, along with my sisters and my dad. It was a heart-wrenching time for me, but because I was, wasn't sober, because I wasn't sober until, which for me means I couldn't get that awesome connection with my God, my Savior. So I, I did stay close with my sisters and my dad after she died, but I, was, I wasn't living the truth because I wasn't sober. Last Memorial Day, I snuck into my father's house and stole $280 that was on his dresser. My sister tried to stop me and couldn't. She had me arrested, and on July 30th of last year, I went to jail until January 24th of this year, six months of craziness. I settled into an environment that I never experienced before. After a couple weeks, they let me leave my cell to go to church. I looked forward to that church every Saturday. The pastor gave me a Bible that I read from, 
from every day, and I journaled on how it related to my own life experiences. As I kept reading and writing, I had a sense of peace and hope. Even though I was in jail, I felt a goodness inside my heart, head, and soul that was pretty amazing, considering, for the most part, I was by myself most of the time. I felt a change within myself. I was able to take a look, really look, at my struggles and my bad decisions I had made in my life. I read Psalm 34, verse 1 through 5, and I felt it happening to me. It said, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy, and no shadow of shame will darken their faces. Today, I have a conscience. It keeps me in check with my thoughts, my interactions with others, and the decisions that I make. I know that it's Jesus working in my life. The pastor in jail said that I am more in tune with my innermost self. I like living this way much better. It's one of the main reasons why I felt it was the right time for me to be baptized. A week after I got out of jail, I met Lisa at the food bank. Earlier that day, I lost my wallet with $320. It was Eric's cashed paycheck. Lisa called us over to the van, telling us that they were giving away winter coats and other goodies. I asked her where all the goodies came from, and she said from the Calvary Church right here in Naugatuck. She asked us to come, and basically, other than a couple of weeks, we've been coming ever since. This church and fellowship I've needed and wanted in my life for a long time. Since I've been coming, the blessings I've received have been amazing. And the awareness and the willingness I've received to want to change my imperfections, I also consider a blessing. Because of reading the scriptures, praying, coming to church, and fellowshipping with all of you, I get the help I need to continue this walk with Christ. That wallet of mine was found four months later. That $320 was still in it. We were able to buy a car. I went and had a nice little visit with my father a year exactly since I stole that money from him. He's forgiven me, and we are building a nice little relationship again. I can be there for my friends and family today. Any amount of suffering that I go through cannot even compare to the amount of suffering Jesus endured so that I could be forgiven of my sins. On our way to baptism class a week and a half ago, we drove by the Polish cemetery on New Haven Road. In the center of that cemetery is a big statue of Jesus hanging on the cross. It's a beautiful statue. I passed it, and I thought, this is why I'm doing this, for all that he did for me. I can now surrender my life to him. It's become very clear to me in this past year that I have let go of my old life, my old way of living. I'm turning my life over to Jesus. Like Lisa says, he is her, he is her main man. Mine too. Like I said earlier, <laughs> there is a feeling within myself, a goodness I've never felt before. I've been saved by Jesus. I'm a work in progress. I have a long way to go. But how wonderful and amazing it is that I get to do it with Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And happy Father's Day to all you daddies out there. I can't wait to see my father today on Father's Day. That would not be, at all be possible if I hadn't turned my life over to Jesus. Thank you. to follow okay so um i'm heather for the people that um i've never met before um i was born and raised in a small town in connecticut i'm sure like most of you are um my family are all jehovah's witnesses so um i grew up on like the fringes of christianity i guess you call it um as a kid i remember going door to door preaching the good news 
which was about as nerve-wracking um, as giving this testimony. <laughs> um, I remember witnessing to my, my little cousin, who was the same age as me, about um, Armageddon and that she wouldn't survive because she wasn't a Jehovah's Witness. I tried to say it um, in as gentle a way as possible, but still I don't remember having many more playdates with her after that. Um, my experience growing up in that religion could be summed up um, by one word, fear. In a place that you fear being disfellowshipped or excommunicated for being sinful, it's hard to be genuine. Um, my life changed a lot when I was 10. My older sister got married and moved out. My parents got divorced. Um, my mom got disfellowshipped for initiating that divorce. And I found out um, the man that raised me actually wasn't my father, which was crazy. <laughs> um, this was on top of being a 10-year-old girl, which is hard enough. Um, at this young age, depression took a hold of me. Um, it's something that I suffer from from time to time, even to this day. Um, on top of that, I started being rebellious. Uh, a funny thing to think about uh, is the fact that I started lying to my mom and sneaking to my friend Julia's youth group. Because that was, like, forbidden. <laughs> uh, it was there I heard people talk about having a relationship with God, like a two-way conversation. These young people weren't blindly obeying a doctrine. They wanted to know God. Unfortunately, it took me years to slough off all um, my doubt and confusion about what the Bible actually says and means. I wasted years doing the standard partying, boyfriends, selfishness, disobedience. Um, even my relationship with Jay started as sinful, not the way God intended. I got pregnant with my son David at 23. Um... That point in our relationship was rocky, to put it nicely. I was very afraid. I considered not keeping a pregnancy, which I'm ashamed to admit that I considered. It was having David and wanting him to have faith in God, even though I had confusion, that ultimately brought me back to God. I remember the exact moment that I had that realization. Um, David was a few months old, and I was driving with him in the car, and he was crying. It was that cry, the one that, as a parent, you feel your sanity unraveling. <laughs> so I prayed to God for the first time in years, because I was going to lose it. And at that instant, he stopped crying. It was very powerful. And I know then that God could do work in my life. Fast forward five years. I feel like I found a church home here at Cavalry Nagatuck. I feel... I didn't cry when I practiced. What's going on? I feel like I can be myself and not be afraid. Baptism is something that God has had on my heart for a while, but I let insecurities stop me. I had insecurities about my knowledge, um, insecurities about my relationship, and physical insecurities. Thanks. Um, all these roadblocks I want to put behind me now that I have the security of a church home.
going to try really hard to not faint. <laughs> All right. So I'm Joanna, for anyone who hasn't met me. Um, I'm just going to read from this before I faint. <laughs> um, to say that I was obsessed would be an understatement. I had become so preoccupied with my future career in veterinary medicine that I could see nothing else in my life. When I wasn't doing homework, I was reading about animal diseases and surgery techniques, and that was in the eighth grade. I got to high school, and it got even worse. I was willing to do anything, sacrifice anything, in order to reach my goal. Because I believe that my career goal was literally the sole purpose for my existence. I didn't grow up in a family that attended church on a regular basis, and it wasn't until my first college biology course that I even really thought about Christianity or the possibility of there being a God. I was a student of science. I needed physical evidence. I needed like supportive data. I needed to like look at the, the research. At the time, the existence of God seemed inconsequential. I mean, I had my own plans for my life. I had everything under control, and things were going in the direction that I wanted them to. That is, um, until they weren't. <laughs> During my last year of college, these plans that I had based my whole life around started to fall apart. I began to wonder if we humans even had a real purpose. What was the point of it all? It was a dark time of discouragement, anxiety, and hopelessness. My professional mentor at the time happened to be a Christian. After spending some time with her and, and seeing how she loved and cared for others, through her faith and, and really because of her faith, I wanted to know more. I never asked her, but I had always wondered how she could be so certain about Jesus. So I started reading the Bible and attending a church. One evening, I realized how much I needed God and that no matter how hard I tried, I would always fall short. But then I discovered in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that we've all fallen short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Even though I wasn't perfect and never can be perfect, I found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God loved me anyway and offers forgiveness through Jesus' death on the cross. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for me. All I had to do was accept this free gift. That night, I made the decision to follow Christ and accept him as my Lord and Savior. Life was no longer just about me and my plans and... Um, sort of me controlling everything, <laughs> it became about having a relationship with and, and getting to know and following Christ. And even though I still struggle at times with trying to do things my own way, I love and trust God and, and want to share his promises for eternal life with others. How is everyone? Okay, so first of all, I'd like to start with that Jesus Christ was an actual historical person, documented through the Roman Empire, the Jewish historians, and the Greeks. They all came and saw him crucified on the cross. Now, all of his actions and everything were written down by eyewitnesses throughout, so it's undeniable right now that Jesus Christ was, in fact, a real person. So then, obviously, what he says had to have been true as well, like... John 3, 5, where he says that, uh, Very truly, I tell you, no one may enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So, I mean, obviously, if being baptized is key to being in heaven with Jesus. 
Uh, my experience in life growing up was it was difficult growing up. No father, a mother that couldn't support me. And my grandmother actually was a Christian, and she'd kidnap me on the weekends and bring me to church every Sunday. So, you know, God bless her for that. And I don't know, I think when I was 13, I was just, high school came, and I was trying to fit in, be the cool kid. I'd walk into the room and wonder if everyone liked me, when it should have been, you know, do I like them for who they are, not trying to fit in. Uh, And then I went into the Army and deployed at a 13-month deployment in Iraq, which didn't make my childhood. It just kind of stacked everything on top of it. And then I started drinking hard, like heavy, heavy drinking after Iraq. And there was just a point where, you know, I just, I just fell to God. I just asked him to take all that away. And I don't feel alone anymore. There's no, there's no more drinking. You know, I'm here and worshiping Jesus. But uh, I think one Peter 2.21 spoke to me, and it said that to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps to be the man that God wants you to be. And this would be the man that God wants me to be. So, so that's... Try not to pass out. (sighs) Growing up, my parents never really brought my brother and I to church. It's weird, too, because they grew up in a family of six brothers and sisters and had to attend Mass every Sunday. I grew up a Catholic. I received my communion and confirmation, but never took any of it serious. I just did it because that's what I was told I had to do. I had very little understanding of what any of it meant or even God at that. I knew that he was the man upstairs that had power overall, but I didn't fully understand what he was capable of. I've always struggled with who I am as a person. I've done some things in my life that I am not proud of. I can never face the music or handle things when they got rough. My escape was either partying or running away from it all. I've had my fair share of partying, and it's gotten me nowhere. I was reckless, and I would do anything to numb the pain or distract me from what was going on. I would do things to my body that I would take back in a heartbeat. I got a reputation fast, and I thought that what I was doing was cool. Little did I know. Depending on, how big, depending on how bad I thought things were meant that I would party that much harder. I never let anyone take my keys from me because I always wanted to be that hero, when really I was just being an idiot. My parents couldn't handle me or what I was doing, so my dad told me on many occasions that he thinks that I have a problem. He told me that if I continue on that path, then he's going to send me away for help. My dad's a pretty scary guy at times, so I took him serious. Your parents are two people who never want to disappoint. I started con- to control my partying, but I still wasn't doing what I needed to do, school. I continued to putz around and fail classes. I've always been a student who struggles, but that's not an excuse. Times for me were still pretty dark. I've always felt like the black sheep of my family because I compared myself to my brother. He didn't put my parents through half the things I did. He was a star athlete who always had a girlfriend, a lot of friends. My parents helped him get a job, and they always just seemed like they were so proud of him. He always treated me like crap while I'd give him anything he'd ask for because that's what a sister should do. 
My parents knew the way he treated me, so they'd get mad when I'd help him. No matter what I do, I don't think he's proud to call me his sister. He, like many others, would call me names and down me. I've had many people call me names. I've had many people down me and call me an idiot or stupid. It's bad enough when you down yourself every day. You know, growing up, you never think you go through the things you've gone through. A lot of times I'd question God as to why, why me. My self-worth felt like it was nothing. I thought nothing of myself and that I I thought nothing of myself and then I'd do everyone a favor if I just died. If I wasn't here, then their lives would be better. If I wasn't here, then everyone would be happier. I've held that kitchen knife plenty of times with a million thoughts going through my head. My mom's found me on the bathroom floor. My mom's found me on the bathroom floor, passed out, and another occasion caught me in the nick of time and saved my life. I've hit rock bottom too many times. I've watched my parents cry because of me, and I've watched my parents nearly disown me. It wasn't until recently that I started talking to God. It wasn't until recently that I started to believe in myself and ask for help on a day-to-day basis and become thankful on a day-to-day basis. I know that I'm alive today because of the Lord, because he died on the cross for me and my sins. I've always struggled with allowing people to get close to me. My walls are constantly up because I've been hurt too many times. I've struggled with allowing the Lord to become close to me, too, for far too long. Every time I step into this church, I can feel something inside of me, and I just want to cry. Pretty much every time I'm spoken to about the Lord or does something to me where I just want to cry. It's an amazing feeling to become positive about everything when for so long I've done nothing but focus on the negatives. I'm starting to slowly but surely become okay with my story and who I am. My life is finally starting to get into gear. I know that the Lord has a plan for me and in the end I'm going to be okay. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and love myself and continue to become close to the Lord. I know that my old life I am not proud of, but I know that this path that the Lord with the Lord is right. Becoming a Christian, I can feel my heart in the new person I am becoming inside. Um, you know, it's like a, it's a flood of stuff. That, that's a lot of story. That's a lot of vulnerability, right, that just happened. Um, that's a lot of stories. Um, God is definitely at work at a lot of hearts in this little room in, like, powerful ways, in powerful ways. And... Uh, that is amazing, and I am super grateful for that, and I am so grateful that we serve a God that we serve, that man, you know, he takes crap and he makes it just brand new, and totally redeems it. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. And so, like, you know, this is for me, and so, uh, the victories... Right, that the enemy that Satan has won, maybe even up until today, or whenever. It's like, that was not the end game. 
He thought he had it won. Um, he thought the victory was his. And, uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. Brand new creation. And, uh, you know, those people are standing up. And they're saying, hey, I'm starting with the first step. I've committed my life to Christ. That new creation is going to take some steps and some walking out. But come hell or high water, I'll be surrendered and submitted to him. Because anything that the enemy has is just smoke and mirrors outside of that. Because he's going to come hot, he's going to come heavy, and he's going to come hard. But... Like I was sharing with the people getting baptized. But for the believer, for the Christian, God has already been there, seen that, knows what's going to happen, and has already ordained it for the good of those that love him. So he's already been there. He's already working on it. And so what I wanted to do is close up. Um, by praying for each and every person that just shared and for the other people that are going to share at the beach come Sunday. Uh, and so if uh, each person is getting that shared this morning, could you just stand up? Yeah. And so what we could do as a church body is pray for them. And so uh, if we could um, have maybe two people, and I know people aren't a big fan of praying out loud, but um, if we could have two people Pray out loud for our brothers and sisters here, that God would protect them, watch over them, whatever God leads you to pray. Pray for them. And then I'll close up in prayer, and, and uh, you know, then, then we'll close up. But uh, we're going to take just a few minutes praying for them. And also praying for the other people, three or four other people that are also going to share on the beach come Sunday. Because who knows how their story and what might happen at the beach on Sunday. It's a public beach, and people will be there. So who knows how that story might impact Levana's already shaking her head. She's like, oh no. <laughs> She's going to be one of the ones on Sunday. So if we could, we're going we're gonna to bow our heads, close our eyes, and if two people, I know, but if two people could pray out loud, just make the focus not about you and praying out loud, but make your focus about praying for and interceding for them. That's what it's about. And then I'll close in prayer. So a couple of people pray and then I'll close.
Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you're doing. We thank you that, uh, though we're a small body, we can see the massive amounts of work that you are doing, massive amounts of healing that you're doing. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, for how much you love us, for the perfect Father's heart that saves us and rescues us and pursues us and that loves us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would bless and cover and protect each person that's going through this baptism, Lord. Father, people that shared this morning and people that will share later. Father, we ask that you would protect them from the evil one as Jesus prayed, that you would strengthen them. Holy Spirit, may you just speak to their hearts in powerful ways. I pray that they would be so blessed by reading your word that they would be so encouraged by it, Lord. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd speak to their hearts in the quiet places. God, I thank you, and we just rejoice at the work that you're doing. And as Michael prayed, I pray that we could be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters. Help us to stand by our brothers and sisters. That's what a church family does. We don't check in and check out on Sunday. We're praying for our brothers and sisters through the week, Lord. Holy Spirit, show us how to pray, even for those that may uh, be getting baptized. We don't even know that well. Show us how to pray for them. Father, we praise you and thank you for the work that you're doing. And we ask, Lord, that you'd use our church to add more people to your kingdom. That you'd help us to make more disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.